Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes already. This is a Mesh Musings episode where I do a relatively short overview, some might call a few of them rants, on a specific topic related to Data Mesh. I try to put uh, you know my few summary takeaways in the show notes too to make it easy to decide if this will be useful for you. Quick reminder as well to hit the Data Mesh Understanding link in the show notes to easily review listings of past episodes you might have missed, you know, that I've grouped up on different topics to make it easy if you want to do like a deep dive into governance or something like that. Do check out the Data Mesh Understanding offerings as well and the free community introduction and roundtable programs while you're there. Now with that, on to the Mesh Musing. The Slippery Slope of Real-Time and Data Mesh, Mesh Musings 24. Why do I say slippery slope on this one? If you weren't part of the early kind of data mesh learning community, this topic has caused drama and schisms many times before. I will try to give out what I mean precisely, but trying to truly define operational versus analytical and real-time versus not so real-time is honestly a stupid task, right? It's you're going to spend... It's kind of like, have you ever heard of that proof where they prove that one plus one equals two? And it took them like 23 pages of proof. It's kind of a stupid thing. There's shades of gray everywhere here. And we really want to think about is something in, in the direct operational path, the live interaction piece with a user of some kind or not, right? That's where we're trying to draw this line. That's essentially what matters. After that, it's all kind of speed gradients and it it just devolves, right? So on to the topic itself with that annoying bit of caveating behind us, probably not fully behind us, it'll still <laughs> creep in. So the question of can our mesh data products, or really should they serve for these real-time need workloads? I am sti- still firmly in the camp of a hard no. Why? Because, and this is an undercurrent in many of Jmac's talks and actually comes up in a fair few episodes, to have mesh data products, most, and I emphasize most, should be able to serve data for fairly heavy analytical queries, right? That's making analytics a first-class citizen. There is an episode coming out later this week with uh, Anitha Jagadish, where we dig a bit more into this. but. If you think about pulling 100,000 records for from a data product, that's probably going that that's going to probably slow that analytical data product down while it crunches and gets that data to serve back to us, especially if you <laughs> have an API that's paginating one record at a time or anything like that, don't do that, but you know, it no matter what, if it's a big big you know, query against it, it's probably going to slow down whatever system you're using, 
if that system is really measured in millisecond latency. It might not if your data product is dumping things into S3 or other cloud storage or something like that. So you actually do have non-blocking IO, right? In, in theory, at least. But if you are trying to also serve, again, those operational transactional needs, that live use where speed really matters, then of course, you are going to look to block that heavy analytical query, right? There was a reason in the olden days you ran your massive query against the production database at midnight and hoped to some deity or computer higher power or whatever that it would finish in time before things picked back up the next day. With globalization, there really isn't a concept of that midnight where you could run that query and not interrupt things against production. So when we think about analytical queries against production, do we really want to slow things that, you know, do we really want to disrupt production? No, please, no. So it's a bit of rambling, but here is my point. If you have these transactional needs, something powering live interactions with users, customers, constituents, whatever you want to call them, then you can't have massive analytical queries blocking off your ability to actually, you know, have a good experience for those users. That might seem obvious to some, but it feels controversial to others. If you have true millisecond latency needs for those users, you should be optimizing for that. And again, disruptive queries shouldn't be allowed, right? So this is where people talk about serving ML, live serving ML models and things like that. Like the live interaction piece shouldn't be on the mesh because a large scale analytical query might mess with what your ML model is actually doing in production, right? You can continue to serve data into that ML model in whatever speed you want, but if it's in the path of production, if it's in the path of those operations, don't let analytical queries block it off. But so let's flip that for a second and say, in data mesh, we're making analytics a first-class concern so if you're blocking off your analytics query, then it's not a data mesh data product, right? It's not, it's not the thing that should be on data mesh. Now, what does this all, what does it not mean, right? I'm not saying something like you can't use streaming technology or anything like that. That's a baffling conclusion. I, I've had some people say, oh, does this mean that you can't serve data very quickly into your data mesh. No, if, if that's the easiest way or if that's the best way of doing this, whatever. But again, it's, it's that they shouldn't be for the operational if you're going to be running large-scale analytics against it. It also doesn't mean you can't or shouldn't have data products with rather stringent timeliness SLAs. Just consumers from those data products need to understand that a large analytical query could mean delaying something from getting from that uh, that data product. So you don't get overly reliant and really focus on finding like a sensible SLA around something like that with if, if you are doing something that's, uh, you know, we're dumping data in in near real time, right, where you're measuring it in the seconds or, or maybe even milliseconds. You shouldn't have large scale, something that can have large scale analytical queries block off something where the difference in milliseconds matters. It also doesn't mean that the processing of information for that actual 
real-time operational use case can't be used on the data mesh. Again, that doesn't make any sense. You already did the processing of the data. Why the heck not land that as a data product on the mesh if that data is useful for some reason? You've already done the processing. You've already done the work. Why not just land it somewhere else? And then somebody can do large-scale analytical queries against where you landed it. You landed it in S3 or you landed it in BigQuery or you landed it in whatever. You can run the big operational or you can run the big analytical queries against that thing where it's not going to block the operational transactions. Again, just don't think you should serve the operational needs in a way where large analytical queries can cause problems. The most egregious misinterpretation of this and what I've said about this in the past, does this mean that operational systems can't pull data from products on the mesh? Of course they can. That makes literally no sense, right? That's like saying, hey, you shouldn't drink water with lead in it. And someone's saying, so we shouldn't drink water? What? No. Like, what? No. It's saying like that the operational systems absolutely can pull data from where there's a reliable source. But if it's part of a real-time transaction, right, that online processing, that OLTP type of transaction, don't have it flowing from the mesh because, again, somebody could be doing something that's going to significantly slow that, uh, the results that, that somebody else gets. So, and you have to allow those large-scale analytical queries or it's not really a mesh data product, right? So I'm getting all worked up. What is the, the general point here? To make analytics a first-class concern in your mesh data products, you have to allow the types of queries that will be use for, useful for analytics. Often, that is a big old pull of, of data, right? If that big old pull of data will disrupt your transactional interactions with your users, you know, don't. <laughs> Figure out how to serve that big old analytical query another way. It might be the same data that you just that you used for the operational side and you just land it somewhere else. But if you block the big old analytical queries that are useful or necessary to do like your really first class analytics, then your analytics isn't a first class concern. So be super careful when you think about trying to cross the streams, so to speak. Yes, that's a terrible pun. If, and if it weren't copyrighted heavily, this is where the Ghostbusters theme would, would play. So, Scott, out. Hopefully that was a useful mesh musing for you. Please do rate and review the podcast. It really does help. And if you'd like to get in touch and see how I can be helpful to you, check out the show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. As I mentioned, there are some great free programs in addition to some very affordable things around implementer intros and roundtables on the Data Mesh Understanding website. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And with that, now on to the funky outro music. Mm-hmm.